Welcome to the Global Band Room, a podcast that brings you stories, news and great guests from across the world of wind, brass and marching band. My name is Keith Kelly and I'm a band director and musician from the west coast of Ireland. Each episode I sit down with band musicians and directors from across the world to talk about their stories, their bands, the lessons they've been given and the lessons that they give, and how they're making an impact on their bands and communities. Before we start, you can find out more about the podcast and the people and stories that we feature over at bandsofireland.com forward slash the global band room. And you can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at the global band room. And now on with the show. Welcome back to the Global Band Room, everybody. My name is Keith Kelly. Um, This week's episode is a little bit late, um, but I promise you it is for good reason. Um, You will have seen, if you're a subscriber to the the podcast, you'll have seen that the... Um, there was a trailer that popped up in the feed this week, um, and it was entitled Finding Drum Corps. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, I am a massive drum corps fan, having only sort of found out about the activity about five or six years ago now at this point. And uh, as part of the Global Band Room um, work that I've been doing over the last three months or so, um, DCI reached out and they were asking whether I would be interested in maybe including a segment about drum corps in the Global Band Room podcast. And uh, the the more that I started thinking about it, the more that I thought it really deserved its own uh, its own uh, content. Um, I'm a newcomer to this. There's lots of experts in drum corps. There's great designers and instructors and students out there doing really good things along the uh, uh, talking about drum corps but what I wanted to bring to it was this idea of finding it for the first time and exploring it for the first time there's lots of things that I just don't know about drum corps I love watching all of the all, all of the DVDs and the blu-rays um and I love following it on YouTube and I go to it go to finals um each year recently as well but I, there's a huge amount that I just don't know about it. Most people that are involved in drum corps grow up in that world, and uh, I certainly didn't have that. So this uh, uh, this podcast is a uh, an eight part documentary series where I talk to people from across the drum corps world, um, mostly in the US where that activity is strongest. But also I'm speaking to Oshin Malloy, who was on the podcast here before. I'm speaking to Alan Thompson over in DC UK, uh, Leandro Pasquai down in Brazil again, another guest of the pod, the Global Bandroom podcast before. And it's it's my exploration of the activity, but also through that exploration, giving other newcomers the opportunity to kind of find out about the activity, but also talk to people that have been involved in the activity for years and find out about their personal stories too. So if you're a drum corps fan, if you're a marching arts fan at all, um, I hope that you'll really enjoy this podcast. You'll be able to find it in a couple of ways. Number one, you'll be able to find it right here in the Global Bandroom stream. That's the first place that you're going to be able to find this. The second place that you're going to be able to find it is in the DCI Field Pass podcast stream as well. Um, and that's for anyone that's a drum corps fan and has been following DCI for years and likes podcasts, you'll know that that's their official DCI 
podcast stream and it will be featured in there as well so um, no matter where you want to listen to it you'll be able to find it it's actually also going to be on its own stream then as well called finding drum core so you'll be able to find it in any of those places and a big shout out to my co-producer as well mallory anderson mallory is drum core alumni she marched blue nights and cascades and she now lives in limerick in ireland and she's one of the volunteers and does a lot of the media for bands of ireland and for the celtic band festival as well so yeah it's a very irish focused sort of uh, or irish driven at least podcast for dci and really excited to for everyone to hear it so um yeah head over and subscribe or just listen to it here follow it on facebook and um, let me know what you think by emailing me over at keith at bands of now today's interview is with a fabulous composer and just a brilliant person, someone that I really enjoyed speaking with, uh, Kathy Lakuta, um, Ukrainian-born, uh, living in Australia now, um, writes for a wind band at very high levels, um, but also writes for orchestra and ensemble and writes an awful lot of for French horn too. Um, she was fascinating to talk to. She had some amazing stories, some really funny stories too. So I hope you really enjoyed the interview today. Just before that, I just want to talk to talk about a couple of news items. Uh, they're mostly Irish focused today. Uh, I know sometimes I try to like uh, I try to have as many international stories as possible, but most of the stories are pretty Irish centric today. But some of them you'll be able to join in if you're international based at all. So the first one is the um, let's go in order of of dates. So this Sunday, the twenty first of June, uh, we have the European Music Day, World Music Day. And the Irish Association of Youth Orchestras combined with Music Generation, Music Network, the IABCB, IMBA, lots of the big Irish uh, music uh, bodies here have come together to put together um, the an Ode to Joy project. So in celebration of the, the day that's in it, World Music Day, European Music Day, and also the fact that it's Beethoven's 250th anniversary this year, and many, many of those Beethoven concerts have been cancelled, um, they are asking people across Ireland and the world this is one of one that our international friends can join in on they're asking them to go out and record themselves at 6 p.m Irish time playing Ode to Joy and put it on social media and tag it as hashtag Ode to Joy now there's a lot more details and you need to print out the music and all that so head over to Ode to Joy dot ie and you'll be able to find out all of the guidelines how to go about doing this how to watch other people doing it how to get involved at the highest level and you can print off your music from there as well so that's ode to joy.ie if you're following the bands of ireland page you'll know that i interviewed the director of that whole project jimmy cavanagh who was my director in the irish wind ensemble too it's the first time i've interviewed someone that i had been genuinely terrified of as a child um but jimmy is a a wonderful wonderful man here has done so much for wind band over the years so um head over and watch that interview if you're into, in, in, interested in finding out some more about the project as well now the royal irish academy of music has joined forces with bands of ireland to put together a summer band course obviously it's a virtual summer band course and it's aimed at adults across the world um if you're a community band player director um if you're involved in band at any level this course has something for you. It's a two-week-long course running from July the 3rd until July 17th. There's all sorts of different sessions during those two weeks from 
uh, sectionals with Royal Irish Academy of Music faculty, to masterclasses with international guests, to uh, evening Q&A sessions with some of the top uh, musicians and conductors and composers around the world, as well as, and here's the really important part, we have some really cool um, uh, socialising opportunities during this as well. So there's going to be the virtual pub, of course, Uh, there's going to be some coffee sessions, there's going to be some open recitals where people are encouraged to perform for each other so it's a really great course some brilliant content some brilliant socializing opportunities as well it's obviously open to irish musicians but it is absolutely open to international musicians too and we're partnering with the association of concert bands over in the u.s to help promote this and get as many of our u.s brethren uh, and and uh, colleagues involved if you're elsewhere in the world, if you're in the UK or if you're in South America, wherever you are, this is open to you too. Now, they're all live webinars, but those webinars will be available for up to a month after the, the course has completed as well. So it's a it's a busy schedule for two weeks and obviously we can't all be at all of these various different sessions, but you'll be able to uh, watch any of those sessions afterwards. Some of them will be better if they're live. If you want to go along to you know the virtual pub, well, it might be more enjoyable to do that live and be able to contribute. Um, oh, and I didn't mention the, the musicians, musicians yoga every morning. So if you're interested in kind of getting up and stretching and getting out of those seats that we've all probably been in for too long, um, there's, there's yoga every morning as part of this too. So if you want to find out more about that, head over to the Bands of Ireland website, bandsofireland.ie, and head over to the news section and you'll find a whole article about it. And that will bring you to links um, where you'll be able to register, find out more about the calendar and uh, get yourself signed up for the two week long course. So bandsofireland.ie, news, and then uh, head over to the, the article about this particular summer project. Now, this last one is just for the Irish folk. On July 5th, Bands of Ireland are hosting Ireland's first car park band. Uh, What we're doing is we're inviting musicians from around the country to register to be part of a socially distanced uh, performance of very easy band music. So if you have young kids that are learning to play instruments in your family, you'll be able to bring them along and they should be able to take part in some of these pieces of music too. Um, there'll be uh, Musicians will come along to the uh, Coosin Parish car park on July 5th at 3pm and we will perform together for around 30 to 40 minutes, some very easy pieces of music, and do so in a very socially distanced, responsible manner. It's a great way for anyone that hasn't had the opportunity to go back to their band yet. I know some bands are starting to come out of hibernation now, but others are still a little bit cautious. We're still kind of wondering about what sort of guidelines are going to be there for bands. So this might be a really good opportunity to come along and take part in a performance with other band people from around the country. Now, you must be registered to get take part in this. So head over to bandsofireland.ie to the news section, head over to the section that's all about this car park band and you'll be able to find the registration form there. Um, we have a maximum capacity of 80 cars. It doesn't matter whether you have one or four people in that car, but we have a maximum capacity of 80 cars. Uh, People will be asked to stay within touching distance of the car at all times. And when the performance is finished and we've played through all the pieces of music that that we're going to play, you'll be asked to responsibly leave the car park and head off to wherever you're you're heading on that day then. So bandsofireland.ie for more information on that.
Now, over to my interview with composer and wonderful all-round human being, Kathy Lakuda. Kathy, so glad to have you here. How are you keeping? Oh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to chat with you, Keith, and uh, it's great that we finally made it work <laughs> and all the kids are quiet and, and hopefully and hopefully it will stay oh, that way yeah. for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's well, it's 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 just after probably almost 11, 11 p.m. where you are and it's about 2 p.m. Where, where I am. So you have a much better chance of getting a quiet interview <laughs> than I do yes, at the moment. It's, there's lots of sun why. and ice pop and games happening outside my door at the moment <laughs> yes well you're used to it by now probably so that's good i'm i'm a True. little of a control freak so it, well, i don't know if control freak is the right word here or perfectionist <laughs> i don't know i'm just uh, you know i'm used to working in quiet on my own when everybody is mm-hmm. uh, out of the house or asleep so this is kind of my comfort zone <laughs> Well, I have 12 weeks without people leaving the house now at this point. So. Ouch. Um, my condolences. <laughs> yeah. So so listen, I, I was introduced to you um, last year. It was probably probably just over a year ago um, that I was introduced to your work uh, by uh, Jason Noble um, uh, over over in the US. And Jason was on the podcast uh, back, in, back in one of the first episodes, actually, that I had of the podcast. I, I talked to him on St. Patrick's Day this year, actually. And... Uh, uh, he was just after uh, commissioning your home away from homework. Um, so, and we were due to do that this year. So I've been fascinated by your, your, your story. Um, I, I kind of assumed like you, like people do that, that you kind of came from a band world, you're a band composer, and then kind of found out a little bit more about your story and realized, well, wow, that it wasn't the case at all, actually. Um, Absolutely, I kind of want to yeah. go back to the beginning, Katty. Yeah. So, so you're, 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 you you grew up in the Ukraine and you've been traveling the world quite quite a bit since then. Tell me about a little bit about your musical background. Yeah, it's uh, it's complicated. So I uh, indeed was born and raised in Ukraine. I um, was raised in a family of musicians and uh, I started playing piano. I didn't really have a choice because I had musicians on both sides, several generations, right. and uh, I was uh, musically inclined, so to speak. And uh, so I started playing jazz piano first and then classical piano around the age of five and six. And um, wow. uh, yeah, and, and and then um, I was a bit of a prodigy, so I, w- I was playing um, some pretty complex and uh, funky stuff when I was very little. Um, I was playing Ooh. when I was five and a half. I was playing some concerts with um, in a jazz trio. I was the pianist, and we, we, uh, two of my <laughs> teachers sons were on drums and on the bass they were 16 and 18 and i was five leading the band so that five. was really cool i know i wow I really like wish. jazz piano were you, imp- yeah. were you improvising kathy no no i could never improvise like that, that, i, I okay. will get to that <laughs> but uh, okay. no just, I, I, I was just uh, sh- shredding some tunes and uh, <laughs> uh, unfortunately none of that was caught on camera and because it was the the olden days you know and um, okay yeah, and uh, but I I promise that that did happen, and uh, <laughs> we then, I believe you. I absolutely yeah, yeah. believe you. <laughs> and, and then I kept uh, going with piano, a little bit of jazz and classical, and then I um, got into musical college for my undergrad, and then for my. Um, um, for my higher degree in Ukraine, it's a different system. So it was a five-year undergrad 
Um, and then for the next five years, which is a higher degree and um, somewhere in between of mm. master's and PhD, um, I did um, that in composition because I was done practicing. <laughs> I thought that, you know, <laughs> practicing piano is too much hard work. So I'm just going to be a composer, which was stupid you, because you composing had is much harder work. quite a few years of that at that yeah. stage. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so composing harder work but to me ultimately it's much more rewarding um especially if, uh, since i still kept my chops and i perform piano on my compositions quite often whenever i can yeah. so that's when i um started composing quite late you know i was composing little tunes here and there but sort of professionally um seriously working on compositions that that only came when i was 18 or so um and i started okay with i was going to ask yep. so you weren't really so you weren't really regularly composing until you started doing your postgraduate in composing is that right yes 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 okay, so cool. yeah um well it, it kind of um it was kind of interesting. So I was writing little tunes for, between the age of 13 and 18. I was writing little tunes for my mom's piano students. Um, and I hated mm. doing that because I needed to write them down into notes. Like it was not enough to just play them. <laughs> and I, I hated notating them. Um, but yeah, my mom really wanted me to do a good job on that, which in the retrospect was probably a good thing, you know, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't. Right. <laughs> When I was 18 and I was almost finishing my college studies, um, I was asked to write a couple of tunes for um, a jazz ensemble um, class that was part of the curriculum. And I was the pianist mm. for the jazz ensemble class, playing with my mates, basically. And uh, we, I brought these pieces that I wrote, I brought them to the class and we played them together. And... Uh, my friends loved them and they just said this is just the best thing ever and you know not it wasn't the best thing ever but for them it was because <laughs> it was written by their friend and we were playing it all together for the first time yeah. and and i was uh, just gonna say Kelly, yeah. like i mean like because 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 uh, actually one of the coolest things to do as a musician is to play music that either you have written or that your friend has written for you i mean regardless of of kind of what the piece is or how sort of uh, inexperienced the composer is or, or you know how much they're getting to, to to kind of learn about what they're doing getting to play something that someone has written for you or that you've written yourself is a really cool um it's a really cool thing as a musician and i think some particularly yeah. band musicians we don't we don't we don't really do that very often because there's so much music out there for us to perform but uh yeah that's it's a really cool thing to do Exactly. So it's it's uh, so it was so cool. It was cool to the point that uh, that happened in the spring um, of uh, 1999, and I remember that day. You know, I still remember that wow. feeling. My friends telling me this is awesome, and I just remember having this feeling like I was flying home, not walking home, and. Uh, nice. I remember feeling this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So, you know, now when, when students ask me how I decided to become a composer, this is the story that I tell them because uh, yeah. it was, it was the, and that's where my, the importance of connection with um, performers came from for me, um, you know, because it was that yeah. first very experienced that kind of gave me the push to become a composer and it was all about my performers and making music together so it kind of all amalgamated um That's for brilliant. me for the rest of the career yeah and then we moved to the u.s after i was done with my compositional studies my husband 
got into a bunch of grad schools. He applied from Ukraine. Okay. He's a mathematician. And uh, he applied uh, from Kiev and he got into a bunch and he accepted an offer from Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. And uh, we yeah. went. Yeah. And, I always uh, assumed that actually the, that, that it had been the, the music that pulled you there, actually. But, um, no. but that was no, a happy no. coincidence, I suppose. <laughs> There's more money in mathematics, so I probably wouldn't even be able to buy my own ticket in music. <laughs> Yeah, you, you is he, is he into music at all? Does, is he is he a musician, Katty? No, no, because no. somebody has to make money in the family. So <laughs> yeah, no, he's the admirer. He's the admirer. Okay. Yeah, so he's very supportive, and I have to tell you, for a person who doesn't have any background, any musical background, he digs new music concerts like nobody's business, and he cool. can he can tell you why this piece was. Um, you know, structurally better than that, and he can talk about. It must how. be the mathematician in him, is it? No, he just goes to a lot of concerts that I go <laughs> okay. to, and 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 just yeah, it's just <laughs> so it's like it's like secondhand smoke, but with music. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so he he uh, he he applied for his postgrad over in in the US, and that brings you over to the US. Then, and what age were you at that stage? I was 24, I think, 24 or 25, mm. 2000, 2005 it was. And so I yeah. moved to Ithaca with him and uh, I was quite quickly welcomed into the musical community there. Um, and that was fantastic. I uh, studied with Dana Wilson um, and Steve Stuckey. Um, Dana Wilson is a name that's known to the band world. Um, however, mm. I've never studied band music with him. Um, he was just okay. my mentor. And then Steve Stuckey was my mentor as well. They both coached me free of charge for three and a half years. Um, just, wow. yeah, it's, it, it, I cannot, you know, I, I can never overestimate how lucky I was with this mm-hmm. and, and they, their support meant everything to me. Um, and, uh, there I also met Cynthia Johnston Turner, who just came to Cornell at that time as the director of bands. And, uh, at the moment she is, uh, at university of Georgia and, uh, she was, right. yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh- I think I, I think I've um, I think I've come across her actually a number of times. She's she's an amazing person. She's amazing, yeah, an, an amazing person, a you know a pioneer of new music. Uh, just she she's amazing in so many different ways. And uh, she used to go to all um, all concerts of graduate composers and undergraduate composers at Cornell. She had huge respect for all students, and she was part of the community. You know? So she mm. went to this chamber music concert, music that was written by uh, PhD composers. And Steve Stuckey, I just started studying with him, and he liked the piece that I was writing. And he said, um, so what that you are not a PhD composer here? How about we program your piece um, and at this PhD composer's uh, recital? And uh, so uh, we, I just finished this piece for clarinet and piano and um, called Motions. It was 2007. And uh, we played this piece. I played this piece with a young and very brave clarinetist from Ithaca College. And uh, Cindy was there. Cindy Johnson-Turner was in the audience. And she came to me during the intermission straight away. And she said, I want you to write for my band. Um, 
cool. and I want you to play with us. So I was like, what's a band? <laughs> so, <laughs> so she gave me some recordings to listen to. I, I didn't even know what it was like. I was like, where are the strings, right. you know? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> this is weird. So, um, so, so, she, so, so yeah. tell me what your, your understanding of a band was then prior to that then, because I think people just assume that bands are this global thing. I mean, my podcast is called The Global Band Room. I mean... But they exist in various different forms around the uh, around the world, and the idea of a an artistic wind band isn't necessarily how they're how how they how they're represented elsewhere in the world. What did bands look like in in um in Ukraine? So, yeah, so in Ukraine we didn't have band as part of the university program or or conservatory, and um, we have uh, like a national band but it would be either military band or folk music band so they play right. either military music or folk music and uh, uh the band in the in in the form that it exists in universities in the US the UK and other places mm. Australia um we don't have anything like that in Ukraine okay. so i had absolutely no idea um, so this was brand new to you. <laughs> yes, and I hadn't even heard any concerts. I just remember just a little bit before that, maybe a month or so before this conversation with Cindy, um, I was listening to a couple of pieces uh, by Dana Wilson um, because I asked him for a CD with a bunch of mm -hmm. his music and he recorded different things to give me a sample of everything. And uh, there was his piece Home Away From Home and something else, his trumpet concerto, I think. And I had no idea that it was for band and I was like I was listening to it and I was thinking this is so cool I love this sound but gosh this guy he just he, he can't write for strings like I can't hear anything um you know and that's kind of also you know but but that's also an interesting psychological effect actually you know it, it's hilarious right, but yeah because this is the kind of music that's kind of um academic you know it's mm. uh, it's not just marches and it's not just something else it's academic music so you kind of expect that this is something that could easily be written for symphony orchestra so i right. was yeah. like the symphony orchestra just with a lot of percussion and and no strings and then when i talked to cindy and she told me about band that made sense to me everything clicked um <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so she told me that I could come to their rehearsals. Um, they were rehearsing three times a week, I think, um, at, with Cornell Wind Ensemble. And uh, mm. the semester was just about to start. And for the entire semester, I went to every single rehearsal that they had because I needed to get the sound of band into my system before I write the piece, yeah. not, not just you know, not just from recordings, um, but mm -hmm. live. And so I was actually, there. To actually be yeah. among it, yeah. Yeah, and I was there. And I uh, have to tell you, for better or worse, I haven't looked at a single score for band. Um, I haven't studied any scores. I, I've done it all with, wow. just by, by just listening and then, you know, coming to the first and second rehearsal and thinking, yeah. okay, so next time. Um, so I'll take these parts home and I'll come back and uh, just learning kind of quickly with, with my ear. Um, but yeah, mm. that, that's kind of how it all started. <laughs> Well, that's that's really that, that's so so apart from not looking at scores or or um 
studying scores or studying wind band in the traditional sense i mean have you have you listened to many other wind band composers that you've been influenced by or is this like just a totally raw sort of um approach to wind band composing um it's uh, mostly raw so i i still remember really well what um um the first list that Cindy suggested, the, you know, the list of works that Cindy suggested that I listened to before mm. writing um, my first commission that was for her, the piano concerto that I wrote for her band. Um, and uh, there was a little bit of everything, a bit of uh, Schwantner, a bit of Cindy McTee. Um, what did I, I, I don't remember. Um, well, they were working on music for Prague. Um, so I was at the mm-hmm. rehearsals for music for Prague, and that was just fantastic. That was exactly mm-hmm. what I needed. Um, and uh, right. yeah, they, I think they were also doing overture to Candide and some other great things like that. Oh, and Godzilla Eats Las Vegas, you know, it was a bit of everything. Right. <laughs> so um, I, I don't remember what necessarily influenced me i don't think it was ever any particular composer it was well it it was okay i don't want to get political but sometimes it was what not to do (laughs) but yeah um, yeah yeah yeah, but uh of course i'm not gonna mention any names here but uh (laughs) but it was uh, Uh, that that would be a scoop for me though kathy Yeah, and you can always cut it out. But uh, I was, uh, you know, I was always, uh, but I was always. This was always my approach with any kind of composing. I kind of look for stuff from within, but I uh, try to learn as much about the medium um, as possible so that I can do it in an idiomatic way while also bringing something new into it, um, mm-hmm. but making it convenient and making the flute sound like it's a flute and, and uh, you, you know, and the clarinet sound like it's a clarinet and all these things. Mm-hmm. So it was more about learning the instruments and their combinations and uh, seeing what I'm fascinated by and then learning yeah, cause, how. Because they really yeah. do have, like I, I've been a clarinet, uh, a band clarinetist for my for my whole life, but I've always kind of struggled as an orchestral clarinetist. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a very different role from one ensemble to the next Absolutely. particular instrument. And it's really interesting to see you coming from just this, this completely blank slate perspective because i don't think i I, i'd assume most composers really don't come from a blank slate perspective they've probably grown up with the type of ensemble that they're they're writing for absolutely yes absolutely um so for me it was but uh, but you know i i love jazz and i came from Mm. jazz background and uh having um uh, you know with symphony orchestra it's kind of much trickier for string players to play um, complex or, or, you know, jazzy rhythms um, and syncopations mm-hmm. and stuff just because that's not part of their upbringing. But for a lot of yeah. uh, wind players and percussion players, it com- oh, yeah, and brass and all, it comes much more naturally because they all play some kind of jazz or, um, you know, jazz-related music at some point. So, band, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, so I always liked that and uh i also really like the power and the colors and you know in each new piece i kind of try to explore new colors and see it, it, it's a gift and a curse because it's kind of a lot of fun but at the same like i don't have a any formula or any it's always an educated guess 
um, going right. into a new piece because I kind of start from scratch. I uh, don't think, okay, I already used this combination of instruments. I know it sounds good. Let's just do it. Um, that's very mm. rarely the case. I want to try something new always. And, uh, and so it's always a risk, but it's an educated guess. So I just hope that it works every time and cross my fingers. Well, <laughs> I mean, for, I, I mean, I, 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 I absolutely, we, as I mentioned earlier on in the part in, in the interview, like we were, um, we programmed home away from home which is one of your newer pieces for, for, for wind band uh, with the Irish symphonic wind orchestra this year. And it was definitely one of my favorite pieces of the, and, and, and definitely out of the entire program that we did this year, definitely the, probably the most unique sound of them all. And it makes sense now having spoken to you about your, your sort of background and the perspective that you bring to wind band composing that fresh sort of sound uh, does make sense, you know? Um, can, can, can we chat about, cause I, I do want to get to kind of what brought you to Australia and how you're there and, and so on. But, but now that we're into talking about sort of your, your approach to composing, um, maybe if we just chat a little bit about your, your, some of the works that, 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 that I wanted to chat to you about. So, um, that first piano concerto for piano was 2008, according to your website. Is that right? Yep. And and it seems that you kind of dip in and out of wind band composing then over the next sort of 10 years. Um, so I kind of want to jump forward eight years then um, to to a piece that I've been watching quite a bit, actually, and as we were preparing for um, for our interview today, which is Scraps from a Madman's Diary. Um, it's really fun to watch that uh, being performed. Oh, thank uh, you. So it's a, it's it's it really is, and it's 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 almost like theater on uh, the production that 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 I've watched from your from your website. And I can't remember exactly who it was that was performing yeah. it, but um, it's it's so it's a it's an oratorio for wind symphony and choir, and uh, it seems to almost have some choreographed movements in that as well. I don't know whether you wrote that into it into the piece yes. or whether that's. Yes, yes, so that's very much yeah. uh, pur- purposeful. Okay, tell me a little bit about this uh, about this piece. Um, I, it was influenced by a by a Ukrainian author that you're a fan of. Yes, yes. So, um, okay. Um, for, unfortunately, I don't have short answers to anything. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. That's perfect. <laughs> but, <laughs> I don't have short questions. So. Okay, good. Well, so with this piece, and and please don't get. I won't be talking about 10 years in between, but I read this story <laughs> by Google in 2006. Um, so uh, Diary of a Madman was the 10-page story by Gogol and uh, Nikolai Gogol. And uh, um, he's a Ukrainian author who wrote in Russian because of the uh, because that was the time and that's what was done in that time. And uh, he himself was suffering from maniac depression. And uh, he died... Uh, very young from basically from psychosis and from manic depression and uh, because it was not being treated um, the way it should have been. But anyway, I read this story and it was written in the format of a personal diary and uh, the story was from 1835 and it was a 10-page just um, description basically of a person's falling sanity and you know when you get a 10-page story you don't really prepare yourself for much drama right it's just 10 pages but I was completely blown away and shocked at the end but I also felt like um it didn't have to be a 10-page story it's okay that he wanted to keep it a 10-page story but I felt that like there was so much dramatic potential it's like a 
I don't know, like a like a hand grenade, you know, it's mm. little and and compact and you can look at it and you know how much trouble, how much, you know, potential there's inside. But if you pull the ring, uh, you, you can see what actually happens. And I kind of wanted to um, uh, to realize for myself the dramatic potential of this story the way I saw it. And so I remember mm-hmm. I put this book down and I told my husband, one day I will write an oratorio based on this book and he was like yeah okay okay go to bed it's late <laughs> and and that was the, that that was his support so now i have a massive i told it was him um but uh, um yeah so i was kind of waiting for the right moment I, I never, can i ask I, a question yeah. caddy uh, just so so um from the from the program notes of, of it that's in 2006 and you haven't actually started writing for wind band at this stage so you're you're sort of you're you're um, idea of writing an oratorio, uh, you hadn't even got an ensemble sort of in mind at that at that point. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not even sure that I was very well aware of what oratorio was. <laughs> 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 I just wanted to write a massive work, you know, and that's that's hmm. all. And I just kept that on the back of my mind. I fully realized that I was not ready to write it at that point um so i was just waiting with it and just knowing that one day hopefully the opportunity will arise and uh and it did in 2015 um i uh talked to a band director here in brisbane and uh, he said okay let's do it and at that point my idea was to write a 20 minute concerto variations for um wind band with a section of eight cellos and uh a mixed choir that would be singing just just some um oohs and ahs you know no text no story mm-hmm. uh just a um kind of uh variations concerto dramatic work variations where the first the theme would represent kind of the mental stage or, or the the stage in which a person's brain is and then with each mm-hmm. variation it would mutate the moti- the motif would would mutate and get more kind of and more insane and um kind of out of control and that was my idea to show insanity in this purely musical way the way i saw it but then mm-hmm. when when this conductor told me peter morris is his name when he told me that he was excited about it and he was on board and he was going to start preparing the um commission agreement um i went home and i was i could not believe that this is actually happening you know it was with me for over 10 oh, for 10 years at that time or almost 10 years and uh a couple of days later um my brain came up with the idea of okay let we decided to discard the cellos because it was already complex enough but uh, i had libretto in mind and i had I said it's going to be 35 minutes and not 20 and I had scenes and I had the diary and and I had everything and and then theatrical ideas came to me. I've never written a libretto before. I've never written a text um, before. I've never done any dramatic um, work. It kind of all just grew legs. Um, this project, yeah. it, it was kind of taken care of itself and I was just there to... Um, um, I, I was there to, uh, to to keep the the chronicle or whatever you, you would say, um, you know, to document it all, um, to write it down and notate it, and uh, it was a really, really fascinated, fascinating it, process. It, it feels like it was like fermenting for the, those ten years, and it was Absolutely. just ready to be. 
Yes. It just, yeah, it, it's amazing, isn't it? Like destiny sort of brings us to these places sometimes, I think. Yes, and then it just exploded. And uh, I was like, I had to write the ideas down. I had to stop, pull over. I would be driving in the car. I had to pull over to get out my phone and start recording myself saying, okay, so in scene eight, the madman is singing this and this. And then the clarinets are going like this. And the trumpets are responding. And there's a mute in the horn, you know? And it was just absolute madness. But then I would get home, I would listen to it, and I knew exactly what I needed to do. So I had about... 500 recordings or so by the time wow. I was finished. Did you keep any piece. of them for yourself, Kathy? Any of I those kept, recordings? Did you I, keep? Kept, I kept some. I wish I kept them yeah. all because they're a lot of fun to, to recall now. But <laughs> um, I kept some of them. Um, and the funny part of it was also I didn't really know at first how to use my voice recorder on my phone um, because, you know, I, I am technically a millennial, but I'm like the first year of millennials. So kind of, kind of <laughs> okay. fake news. But yeah, I'm I, not far off you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I knew how to make videos. So I needed to record mm. these ideas, not to write them as an email, but to actually record the sound. So, Mm. you know, usually they would come to me when I would be shopping at the local shopping center, you know, buying groceries. And I come up with this (laughs) idea of what the madman is supposed to scream, you know, and I can't just, you know, I can't just do it there in the middle of the grocery store because they won't let me back in. And I live here. It's my neighborhood, you know. So I had to run to the bathroom and just get into the, like, the handicapped bathroom because it's just one person there, right? And I had to record myself. And But I had to do it with a video. So I had just these random videos of the bathrooms all around the town. Oh, amazing. <laughs> it was pretty I'm hilarious. I'm so glad that I asked about this particular piece. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. I promise the, the the creative process behind different works is, is slightly different. Yeah, this one was <laughs> this one was quite unique, you know. And uh, yeah, and and so I uh, kept some of them, and I have to tell you, they make a great seminar presentation. <laughs> yeah uh, that's what i was asking yeah it's like i'd love to see sort of an outtakes of the production of of this it sounds like if if, if you don't mind me saying it sounds like you really kind of got into the spirit of the madman's diary absolutely (laughs) absolutely yeah i was i was all over it and i was you know i i was uh, kind of uh it was a super emotional journey um i was uh, um up to the point where i was crying several times a week because you know there is this madman that i created myself but i feel sorry Mm. for him because it's such a heartbreaking situation and it's also close to my heart because this what i call the mutation of a once healthy mind um Mm. it's it's like mutation of the of the mind but mm, to me it was also paralleled by the mutation of the physical body that um, my mother went through because of her multiple sclerosis so it was all intertwined for me and it's just really complex I bet if I went to a psychologist there would be a lot (laughs) to uncover but it was uh, a really organic process and I couldn't really you know where where Kathy started yeah yeah, how long was how long was the journey? Um, like how long was that process from from initial sort of commissioning? I, I mean, I I understand like so it was the the ten years between reading the book and, yeah. and the commission, but how long was the composing process for for that? Um, I I didn't have 
as much time as I wanted, but that was probably good because I, I needed to get into it straight away. Um, it was about mm. nine months. Um, okay. Yeah, which for me is super quick uh, for for a okay. big work like this and, you know, a lot of things that are new. Um, and I wanted to get them right the first time. Well, hell, this was my first time writing for choir. I've never yeah, written well, for we a voice before. Yeah. yeah. So if anyone hasn't seen it, and I will, I will make sure that I put the link to the um, YouTube video. I think is the the YouTube video um, that's Queensland Conser- Conservatory Wind Orchestra. Is that right? Yeah, there are two YouTube videos. One is Queensland Conservatorium, and the other one is um, uh, UGA University of Georgia. Um, they okay. did they did the uh, the US premiere and they were on the consortium for this piece uh, as well as Sydney Conservatorium and John Lynch another favorite band director of mine um, so mm. yeah so um, sorry you were talking about the choir so I, I will put the YouTube I will put the YouTube link on so that people can see this but um, yeah so this is the this is the first time that you've worked with choir uh, yes. in, in this piece yes yes mm. so so as you can imagine that was a bit nerve-wracking <laughs> but right, uh, because you didn't do you didn't keep it straightforward <laughs> you know you, uh, <laughs> you you wrote something you wrote something for the choir like the choir are very theatrical through the whole thing they're moving around the stage they're um they're acting as well as um as well as well as singing yes and and uh the director of the the, of the choir that did the world premiere here in Australia, he wanted to. Um, well, we were discussing a couple of extra options, and uh, I think with Cindy Johnston Turner, but mostly with uh, this director of choir, Gordon Hamilton, here in Australia. And he wanted to add some um, sort of cool effects with clothing or with some other things. And um, I kept saying and feeling like, it, we actually don't need it. The story should speak for itself. This, um, you know, all I wanted to say was in the story and uh, all the acting that we had um, that I came up with was uh, to highlight the things that were important in the story and not for the sake of, um, you know, being being kind of uh, innovative or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, uh, innovation for the sake of innovation. It's it's yeah. not something that that that, that appeals to, to to me either. Exactly. It was all it was all um, serving a purpose. Um, yeah. you know, and uh, there like there are moments um about <laughs> uh, puppy dogs you probably remember um since you watched it mm. um um mm-hmm. there's like in in scene 3 I think and in scene 7 there are in, in scene 3 there is this moment with puppy dogs and it's kind of funny uh, quite a lot of people in the audience would would laugh or giggle <laughs> a little bit you know and uh that was the that was my idea um because mm. then because then when it comes back, this situation with puppy dogs comes back, I think in scene seven, um, it's, or, or yeah, I think in scene seven, um, you see it in a completely different light because so much has happened uh, since then. And you see that this mm-hmm. person is mentally ill and those puppy dogs are not fine, funny, they're ominous and it's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a health condition and uh, it kind of helps and this is what I felt when I was reading the original story. 
um, you know, I came up with my own story. I just used the concept of a, a person of a, a personal diary and um, the idea of Madman. But yes. uh, yeah. I, I just remembered that psychological effect, you know, on page three, it was really funny to me, but I didn't realize at that time that it was actually a mental condition. And then on page seven, when that same thing came back, I felt, wow, do, do I feel guilty about laughing? I was going to say a certain guilt for how you felt earlier on. It sort of brings you into the emotion as well. Yes. And that was my idea to mm. kind of uh, extra musical kind of goal of the piece to show people that this is um, that mental illness. A lot of people see this kind of funny and silly sometimes, but there is actually a lot of personal dramas behind that and uh we should mm. talk about it there is no shame in it it's stigmatized so much but we should talk about it and we should i don't want to say raise awareness just because it's such a you know beat up phrase but but basically that's yeah. what it is yeah <laughs> right no I, I i i i i understand i mean it's a fascinating story caddy i'm so glad that i did ask about it i mean it, it you know on, on the program notes alone it seems fascinating but actually speaking to you about it it's even more fascinating you just one more question on on that particular piece um it, you mentioned in the program notes that you you didn't go when, when you decided to actually start writing the piece 10 years later you decided not to go back and reread the re- reread the the work because you wanted to kind of bring your perspective to it yes uh, which is not the first time that we've talked today about actually you bringing a fresh perspective to something which is interesting but um, have you gone back to read it since um i think i read half of it after i've written it yes i think mm. I, I i i read half but then i was like uh, i like mine better now <laughs> 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 but but this, you know you know how sometimes um and i don't mean it in any egoistical way it's just like i already know both you know but um it's you know, sometimes you watch a movie and you are just in a particular mood and, uh, I don't know, at a particular place in your life or in a particular company um, and mm. you, ju- you just feel like it, it touches you on, on yes. an extra level, you know. And then you, and, watch and you a- try to put all of those elements back into place again uh, and you just can never get that moment yeah. back. And then you watch this movie again under different circumstances and you're like, really? Uh, it's not, it's yeah. actually not, you know, so I was really scared yeah. that, that when I was starting to compose scripts from Mad Men's Diary, I was really scared that this might happen. So I was mm-hmm. kind of keeping that um, kind of Im- um, emotional kind of image yeah. um, of uh, uh of of the impact that it had of me in 2006 and just going with that i didn't want to risk it <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I i i i fully 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 understand that it's, it's it's amazing we have these moments in our life where just everything aligns every single sort of uh part of a a moment and and, and as much as you try to bring those elements back together um it's just not the same you know it can be a movie it can be a, an experience with a friend or a book or yeah yeah uh, no absolutely. Caddy, thanks so much for 
thanks thanks so much for telling me that that story um it's my uh, pleasure it's, it's, it's great and, and and i i really do if, if anyone has listened to, to this part of the interview go and, and and bookmark that on youtube to to listen after the interview because uh, it's a fascinating um piece of piece of music to to listen to and to watch and that's great. Kathy, um, before we get into your next work, what I want to do is, is talk about your next part of your journey. So how long more were you in the U.S. before you moved to Australia? Oh, I was in the U.S. for, what was it, for seven years, I believe. Um, so we were, yeah, wow. uh, we were in Ithaca for four years and then we moved to Chicago for three years. Um, and uh, um, in Chicago, I started working I didn't get to work with anyone in Chicago. Um, somehow hmm. it, it was, uh, my experience with the musical community there was that it was friendly, but very busy and kind of self-contained. Um, and uh, right. I never really made it into that community, which was okay for me. But I was traveling quite a bit during my last year there uh, in 2011-12. I was traveling to Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, to the University of Chicago because I was working with this amazing horn virtuoso from there, Adam Answorth. And uh, he started me on writing for horn. And uh, I actually write for horn more than I write for band. I, I, yeah, I've, written I've over noticed 20, that actually, yeah. Yeah, I've written over 20 pieces for horn. And uh, um, I, uh, uh, they are hoot, the international horn community. I feel like I love them all. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so that's basically what I was doing my last year there and uh um then i moved to australia in 2012 again with my husband because we moved to chicago because he got a postdoc position at the university of chicago and then we moved to australia because he got a permanent position at the university of queensland and uh mm. when we moved here i soon after that um, I became pregnant, and uh, during my pregnancy, I wrote Me Disagrees, um, my uh, mm-hmm. second band piece. Um, I wrote it for Cindy Johnston-Turner. I think it was her last season at uh, Cornell, and okay. uh, she did the premiere of that. And, uh, yeah, I was writing that while pregnant and then while um, my daughter was very little. So that was one of the craziest experiences as well, but just because it was so hard. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then Scraps came along and uh, it kind of, um, you know, I love writing for band. As long as bands want me to write for them, I will be doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as long as bands want me to kind of be myself while while I'm writing for them, but but also it's, right. it's I, yeah. I feel like it's very much a two-way street. I uh, do want to be myself with them, but I have to be very creative and careful and uh, res- and you know respectful of idiomatic writing rules and the mm-hmm. grade restrictions, but also pushing the boundaries a little bit. So it's it's all, you know, there are a lot of, it's very complex. It's a very complex process. Um, has has, has band, band writing ramped up for you in recent years? It's, it seems to, from the outside look, looking yes. in, it seems to, it seems to be more interest in your band work in, in, in recent years. Yes, so quite a few people performed Media's Agrees recently. Uh, and mm-hmm. uh, then... I think quite a few people found out about my music through Scraps from Madman's Diary because I went to the Midwest Clinic first time in 
2018 and uh, many people would approach me and would say, you are the composer of Scraps from Madman's Diary. And, you know, some of them would say it's on, uh, on my bucket list or some would say um, I would never be able to program something so difficult with my school. Do you have any great four right. works? Do you have great three works? Mm -hmm. And I saw that I was much more like I'm not saying that I'm I was super well known but I was much more known in the band world that I thought I was and that was kind of addictive mm -hmm. you know I really liked that feeling but also people <laughs> telling me that they would love to write to play some of my music with their high school band and they would like to introduce mm -hmm. their kids to my work and I thought that you know that would be great I'm used to um I'm so used to writing for professional players uh, and uh, it's c kind of really nice to go, I don't want to say the other way, but, but to, um, you know, to switch gears and to well, do. I, I do. Yeah. I, I absolutely do. And, I, and actually, it, it, I actually made a mistake earlier on when I said that it was Jason Noble that introduced me to your work. It was him that really sort of talked to me about the, 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 the um, Home Away From Home Commission and so on. But actually, the very first time that I heard your name was at Jody Blackshaw's um uh, uh clinic at midwest uh, yes. i think it was directors for diversity yes yes and and i mean that's actually the reason i bring it up now is because that's exactly it's speaking to your point which is that um i think it's so important that school bands uh, or community bands you know those grade three grade four bands that they also have mature diverse music because we don't get that very often yes, yes. you know um it, you know and, and in fact there's so many bands uh i can speak to you know maybe like rural bands here in ireland like for, forgetting about sort of middle school and high school bands for a moment but like rural adult bands here that may not be uh, much above grade three uh, in their standards but they still want mature content. These are still doctors or lawyers or accountants, like accomplished people that this is a hobby to them. They don't want to be condescended to with, you know, childish grade three music. They want mature content. And uh, that's what I think Jody Blackshaw is doing an amazing job with sort of promoting that idea. And it seems uh, I've got kind of jumping ahead here to where I, and we will come back to the home, home away from home, but you recently worked on two grade three wind band works um uh, tell, tell me a little bit about that process of writing at grade three level but bringing your own voice and 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 fresh sort of perspective to that yes so i i saw um, at some point i saw um that there were um well when, when i was writing my first piece for cindy johnson turner i didn't even know that there were different grades because she just told me whatever you write we'll, we'll, we'll play any difficulty level you know <laughs> and uh and then i learned with me disagrees i learned that there were grades and then i thought that i was would never go kind of below five because i'm used to writing virtuosic show off music and then um mm -hmm. uh, you know i chatted to john lynch um i kind of asked him for advice um uh, when because i really trust his opinion and i respect his opinion a lot and uh, mm -hmm. he said oh, absolutely you should write for grade three and grade four especially grade three because grade three could really use your artistic vision and i thought well yeah that's you, you know, it kind of sounds even like a mission and I'm honored that he feels this way. And I thought, well, maybe I should indeed. So basically it's all John Lynch's fault. And um, then um, 
but in a very good way. And then uh, I was approached. Uh, this commission was not announced on my website because it was kind of um, embargo until the world premiere. But I was um, uh, approached by our um, um, school here in uh, Brisbane called Brisbane Girls Grammar. It's a high school and uh, it's all girls school. And uh, they wanted to um, commission this piece um, to premiere at, the, uh, at their International Women's Day concert. And they play anything up to grade five, pretty much, but it's a pretty short turn, turn, turn around from the beginning of the year till that concert. Um, so they uh, wanted a grade three, three and a half. And um, of course, because it's me, I, I, we decided to add harp and piano. So it's grade three, but with harp and piano. But... <laughs> Yeah, but yeah. but I needed I kind of needed it especially I really needed both for the uh, I know that it's not going to sell as well as if it didn't have those instruments but we needed mm-hmm. it for the artistic vision that I had for this piece and um, it's um, kind of uh, and that piece is yeah. Kathy it, yeah it's called uh, Through Healer's Eyes um, mm-hmm. and and it's in, it's inspired by a story of a nurse um, called Grace Wilson who is the um, um, what is it called? The uh, patron, matron of this school. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, she was a war nurse um, in, in, and like the head of uh, war nurses during World War Two. And um, so it, it's kind of about the war through the eyes of uh, a war nurse. Um, and so they premiered it in uh, March. And uh, I really enjoyed writing that piece and um, kind of writing for the first time ever in an actual key, but uh, twisting it and, and <laughs> uh, twisting it and changing it and uh, you know seeing how I can flex their muscles and it it all worked out really well. Uh, they didn't have any complaints yeah. and I didn't have to change anything, so that was. Uh, fun and the second work that I'm writing for grade three um, at the moment there is a consortium open for this piece um, we have uh, several international members um, for this uh, work it's uh, going to be called Planet B it was supposed to be okay. released on World Earth Day which is 22nd of April but because of COVID it got postponed a little bit um, of course so it's kind of about um what kind of planet we're leaving for the next generation. And it's about what things are good about our planet and what things are bad and um, kind of creating a blueprint for a perfect planet, uh, planet B, Uh, you know, how they had these um, posters in some protests saying there's no planet B. There's no, yeah. Yeah. So this is planet B. It's like the alternative planet for what it would be. So it's kind of gonna it's gonna be kind of dramatic at first, but then kind of um, um, you, you know optimistic and uh, and 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 you know I, I I am actually unexpectedly, but I'm actually getting some inspiration um, as a side effect of, of uh, as a positive side effect of uh, the COVID global crisis because. The skies are clearing up. The pollution is 
um, going down yeah. and, and all this. Well, well, we haven't mentioned that in the in, in the interview so far. So right now at the moment, I mean, if you're listening to this sometime in the future, we're recording this uh, during uh, my 12th week of lockdown here in Ireland. Um, things are um, starting to improve for you a little bit uh, in, in in Australia, it seems. But um, yeah, that's the, the world seems to be uh, healing a little bit at the moment. Yes, yes. You know? yes. Yes, and and that's uh, you know if you if you're a glass half full kind of person, which I am, um, I am happy about that. Of course, I'm not happy about all the devastation that uh, humans are experiencing right now. But I think it's very good that the Earth is taking its chance to heal, and in the long mm-hmm. run, um, it's uh, a. a, a um, you know, it's a little deposit into sustainability and the future for right. our children. So that's um, um, inspiring for me. And I feel like I'm going to yeah. uh, be in, in a slightly happier place writing this piece. Um, when I'm actually so tell, tell, tell me about the consortium, um, Kathy. How do, how do people um, like one of the things that that I always try to to, to um, encourage bands to do here in Ireland is to to commission works as much as possible. But uh, but a lot of the time, um, bands are on such tight budgets that that the idea of commissioning new works, sometimes the idea of buying new works, sometimes can be can be even challenging um but but a consortium is something that definitely that that community bands actually can get involved in tell me about how the consortium is working for you and um and uh, how people could get get involved in that if they'd like to yeah absolutely consortiums are fantastic especially this day and age um my last three works um, for bands have been commissioned by consortiums of different kinds. Uh, this one is uh, um, it, it's uh, uh, so the consortium lead and the organizer is a publishing company, band publishing company from Australia called Maestros with a Mission. Um, they are covering my fee and uh, they're organizing this consortium and the consortium fee is um, I, it's either 170 or 180 US dollars, and for that mm-hmm. you get the score, you get your your the name of your band mentioned in the consortium, and you get the score and parts, everything, and you get exclusive performance rights for the consortium period, oh. which uh, is once the you know once live performances resume and the. Um, universities and community bands start functioning it's going to be about 12 months from that moment uh, or so 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 a full um concert year you know our academic year Mm -hmm. and and uh it's very easy to join the consortium you can just email me i think there might be a link on my website or you just email me and i can send you the link and and it's just payment through PayPal, but if PayPal doesn't work, um, there are other ways to organize. I mean, if, if yeah. the PayPal doesn't work for somebody, uh, it's working. But if, <laughs> if, uh, other, <laughs> if other payment method is preferred, I can organize that. I'm very flexible with that. And uh, it's, uh, you know, it's not about money for me because my wonderful publisher is taking care of my fee, but it's about having, mm-hmm. you know, as many people on board as possible because it's, uh, fun it, it it's more inspiration for me and uh, well it's like what well, i think it's like what we mentioned earlier on katie about the idea of having um an influence in you know 
a friend composing for you or composing a piece for yourself. It's like, yeah. you know, getting in a consortium like that, it's kind of like, okay, well, I was kind of part of of bringing this piece to life at the beginning. I think, you know, I think that's really important. And I, I think, you know, sometimes um, community bands kind of miss out on that a little bit because number one, the music that's being uh, commissioned a lot of the time is just like too difficult. Um, and, uh, and then also just, just that they, they, the fees might be just too high sometimes, but this is all like, this is, this is all very doable, I think. By, yes. By, by, um, yes. It's basically by the price of the band, score. So. It's basically the price yeah. of, of the set of score and parts, you know, and, uh, um, and, but it's, indeed this participation in it so yeah um that's what we were hoping for and that's why we wanted to keep the um you know my publisher and i discussed um the consortium participation fee and we wanted to keep it um reasonable and sensible because it's not about the money uh as much you know it's mm-hmm. it's it's about making music and having people involved and uh um Brilliant. having people happy about it and excited about it yeah no it's brilliant look and and I'll, I'll put a link um for people to um find out more information about that then as well um kathy as you know we were meant to be performing uh, home away from home this september in ireland as part of our european celebration program with the Irish symphonic wind orchestra um because we have the european capital of culture here this year but unfortunately nearly every event for that has been cancelled um but it's a fascinating work and i love that it kind of um really tells the story of your journey uh, yeah. as well tell me a little bit about uh, we've we've heard a little bit about your journey from ukraine to australia to to usa to australia tell me a little bit about how you represented that journey in your home away from home uh, piece yeah um thank you well it was actually so i wanted to make this piece not about my journey i i kind of uh i uh, can sympathize with the journey because i had my own mm-hmm. but this was the first piece that i was writing for younger for a slightly younger ensemble so before that the works that i had before that were grade six five and a half and five and this one was four 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 and a half and uh mm-hmm. it was for uh mo- for the ensemble that's mostly freshmen and uh i wanted to um kind of capture that feeling of uh leaving your home and creating a new home for yourself leaving your parents house and uh all the excitement that you feel when that's happening but also the anxiety and and the um you know this these uh, the, the the array of emotions that you are experiencing when, when that's happening. Um, and I kind of had the parallel in my own mind with the when the plane is about to take off, um, you feel the engine, if, mm. if, if you can remember what it's like. <laughs> we haven't flown mm-hmm. in a long time, but uh, the engine starts <laughs> starts moving, you know, and, and you start, the, the airplane starts to buzz. And uh, I always feel a little bit nervous just because, you know, during takeoff, I just I don't really like that. But then once it starts, once the plane is in the air, then it's all good. So that was the yeah. also kind of the feeling, this feeling of takeoff in the beginning. And... Um, John Lynch was the one who asked me to incorporate Ukrainian um, themes because uh, he he's on board for the consortium for Home Away From Home, but he was also the one um, using this piece as part of his 
presentation at Composers for Diversity session, and uh, he wanted to show different composers from different backgrounds and he said well could you bring your ukrainian roots um forward with mm. this piece and that was just the best uh, suggestion that ever you know because that ukrainian little bit um in in the middle section um everybody asks me about it <laughs> it's nice. it just it's, it's just something different you know it's, it's yeah yeah absolutely yeah it's something that band world is not really familiar with and it's and it's ukrainian it's ukrainian kind of it's my own ukrainian it's not like i quoted any ukrainian folk songs or anything but Mm -hmm. it's ukrainian the way i see it and the way i want to bring it forward and uh so that's basically um that's basically that and there is a sad section earlier in the piece which is um for me it's like when you go to a house of uh, a person who's dear to your heart and who passed away and no longer there and all the nostalgic and melancholic feelings that you have. Um, I experienced that in my life and, uh, you know, we all at some stage experience it. So that's, that's something that a lot of people can relate to as well. Um, so, yeah, it's a combination of all these things, but mostly kind of this useful energy and uh, excitement and kind of badassness <laughs> scholarly speaking <laughs> yeah, I, I i think when when i when i was speaking to you first about commission uh, about uh performing that 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 piece um i think you described I, I was looking to see whether i could get a get a recording of it and i think you uh, i think at the time described it as or or had other people had described it to you as pirates of the caribbean meets the incredibles Yes, yes. Par- uh, Pirates of the Caribbean meet the Incredibles, and and they stop by Ukraine or something like that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and 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 I said, well, I haven't seen Pirates of the Caribbean. So is is that a good thing? And they said, yeah, yeah, it's good. It's like it's like um, they said it's like uh, sunglasses emoji. And I said, oh, okay, cool, I did. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> no, but it is it it, it is that kind of it, there is a badass sort of yeah. um, excitement, the very rhythmic uh, sort of feel to the piece. And uh, yeah, there there is there's an it, it is an emotional roller coaster of a piece as well. I think I, I, that's what I really enjoyed about it. There was a lot of different um moods within the piece when we were when we were re- rehearsing it earlier on this year so i know we'll definitely be performing that um at some stage in the future kathy um it's so lovely to talk to you um I, I think this has been one of my favorite interviews don't tell all the other ones that, other people that i've that i've interviewed but I've really you know it's gonna this. go live uh, right <laughs> I, I see i can edit that out i can edit that bit out yes very true <laughs> but uh no it's it's fascinating talking to you about about this and i'm, I'm really looking forward to being able to do to, to do to perform more of your music here um with some of your your great tree tree works as well um where can people find more find out more about you Cathy, if they'd like to to sort of investigate more of your works yeah sure um first of all thank you so much for talking to me it's been an absolute pleasure i i greatly enjoyed mm. it as well and uh, i'm uh, you know smiling and being excited about uh, work and band music and all these things again and getting the fire yeah. in 
tell you that uh, it's not easy <laughs> that it's not easy to achieve during the lockdown but it's uh, i know that there will be the other side of it so it's uh, uh, r- r- really great to talk to you um my music is available so my band music is available in three different sources basically maestros with a mission are publishing it in australia and they are selling it online um um, you can buy digital scores and parts. And uh, Murphy mm-hmm. Music Press um, are publishing or distributing my works. So there are some works like Home Away From, from Home, um, Murphy Music Press is the publisher for it. So people okay. can buy it from them. And uh, for my other works that are published through Masters Was a Mission, Murphy Music Press dis- distribute them as well in the US. Um, and uh, some of my works are self-published. So they are on my website, um, katherinelikuta.com. And uh, it's all pretty easy to buy. And I'm very approachable. Um, people can contact me anytime and uh, most works are available on YouTube or SoundCloud as well. So it's all out there. It's <laughs> great. And, 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 and I must say, yeah, you are very approachable. And when, when we were talking at first about uh, performing some of your music, you uh, were so nice and, and, and it was so nice to be able to get to know you through, through messages. And um, so, yeah. Um, Kathy, thank you thank so you. much um, for, 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 for being here. Keep safe and well um, in Australia and hopefully we'll be able to see each other in person at some stage soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for your interest in my music. I really appreciate it. And uh, that's where I get my inspiration from people who are interested in my music and who kind of show me that what I do is uh, valuable and uh, it's not just... You know, I'm having fun writing my music, but it's it's not the one person operation. So it's really important for me to talk to people like you, who from whom I get this um, lovely wave of uh, appreciation for my work and uh, inspiration to create something new. Well, it really is appreciated, Kathy, and uh, looking forward to actually getting to perform it really soon. Thank you. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks. 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 Bye-bye. Bye bye. Isn't she absolutely wonderful? I really hope that you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. Um, It's always really telling to me how well a conversation has gone and an interview has gone by how long you might talk after the podcast or after the interview too. And I think myself and Caddy must have spoken for about another hour after that interview. And she's just an absolutely fascinating person, an absolute joy to get to know. So if you don't know her works already head over to youtube and find out more head over to the website and find out more about her because she is doing some really amazing work now if you haven't already done so you can head over to our facebook page the the global band room podcast and follow all of our updates there if you'd like to get involved in the community of people that are sharing news and ideas and projects around the world you can head over to the global band room facebook group so we have our page and we have our group and whichever one suits you you can be part of one or part of both um and then if you're interested in the work that we're doing here in ireland specifically if if you're Irish or if you're just interested in what's happening in Irish bands, uh, bandsofireland.ie is our website and we're also Bands of Ireland on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook as well. So uh, head over there and find out about all things Irish too. 
And again, our new podcast launching this week is Finding Drum Corps. You can find that right here in the Global Bandroom stream, and you'll be also able to find it on the Field Pass stream with Drum Corps International too. Uh, hopefully you enjoy that. If you don't know anything about Drum Corps, it's the best place to start. If you're a lifelong fan, I think there's going to be lots of stories in there and lots of people that you know and love and that you'll be able to hear some of their personal stories too. So head over and like that too. And until next time, stay safe and stay well. Bye-bye.